Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Idiot Soup podcast episode um, 57. No, this is episode 11. <laughs> and we have a very special guest today. I just say everyone's very special. Really, they're all the same, but. Uh, I think I'm the most special. Okay. Uh, John Mitchell, American hero and patriot. <laughs> okay, all right. Questionable. So, John, if you just like to tell our listeners, our, our idiots, if you will, um, what your passion is. Do I refer <laughs> to them as idiots? Yes, they are idiots. All right, so to all the um the idiots, imbeciles, are they imbeciles too? If they want to be. Well, I guess my message would be, or wait, passion. My passion would be, <laughs> my passion is the environment. Uh huh. Why is your passion the environment? Oh, uh, because it's important as shit. <laughs> it's literally like you think of all like the issues, like poverty and uh, other issues. Then like immigration too. Like, bro, if you have a planet, that shit doesn't matter. <laughs> immigration to Mars is the next is the big issue of 2024. Okay, so yes. So John is very passionate about the environment and that's what we're going to talk about today because the environment is very important. Um, it's also become really important in the 2020 election. Okay, so climate change is has become the, quote, millennials' like biggest issue for 2020. Um, it's where a lot of millennials and older generations tend to rub heads and there's a lot of conflict going on over there. So... That being said, the younger, <laughs> the younger generation has made it known that climate change is one of the most important issues to them. So like in September 20th, they had all of the climate change strikes that were led by the youth. They had Greta Thunberg spoke at the at, at the United Nations. They just had another uh, small protest done by Jesuit schools in D.C. Yeah, and they're going to have, um, there's going to be another one, I think, next week by the Sunrise Movement, which is also a youth-led climate change awareness organization. So there's a lot going on with climate change. Um, there's also a lot of really bad groups like the eco-fascists. Yeah. <laughs> They were like blowing up oil pipelines in South America and causing so many problems. So they, it's all good intended. So, you know. <laughs> so that just shows like how passionate people are. It's their passion. It's their message. Passion. Yeah. So climate change um, has been at the forefront of the conversation for a very long time. And so that's what we're just going to talk about today. Climate change, its implication in other fields such as the economy and um, I guess immigration and other things. Oh, it's got big things to do with immigration, especially with those rising sea levels. Yeah. So if John, if you'd just like to start off with like an overview of like what's going on in the climate change world currently, I guess. <laughs> well, I guess and um, an overview, I guess like it's a uh, microphone, right? So I guess like an <laughs> overview is like where, where I all started was I remember I was working at that, that Boy Scout camp, uh, Salmon Sky Reservation, and I was working with the uh, EcoCon their ecology and conservation area. And I didn't believe in global warming at the time. And then like after like, boo. yeah, boo. <laughs> Is there like a soundboard you can press? I'll boo. get one. <laughs> but so I was working with them and my boss, Eco John, was telling me basically how like, it's kind of like, you're missing out like the truth here. Like, and I, I was a big, big against saying like, oh, it's dumb, it doesn't make any sense. So many studies saying it's not real. But then like, when you really look at, when you really look at it and you look at like a timeline, like that's what he showed me. Show me a timeline of like humans, and from like uh, the first human all the way to like now, and it was a steady line, like a very like steady line, like a little like couple little. It's like if I laid like a string like straight down, it's a little like bumps and little slopes every now and then, but it's still pretty straight. But then like once you hit the industrial revolution, it literally fucking like skyrockets, like yeah. it's like it took like a ninety degree turn with your string, yeah. and it's very clear to tell that you know oh what's well, a natural cycle like no it's 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 pretty human involved. Yeah. And I think, um, so like, once again, back on the 
boomer issue. A lot of people who deny climate change definitely tend to be older, old generations. And a lot well, of I mean, you can't blame them. It's because of, it's because of fear mongering back then. Like <laughs> yeah. Al Gore was like, we're all going to die by 2010. It's like, no, don't fear monger. But it's because we're not going to die in 2010. Or like they had they they um they'd overestimate how much the sea levels rose and it was easily disproven. And like when you fear monger, that's like you you instantly you instantly think it's not true. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, oh my gosh, it's totally fine. Because I was gonna say that like the issue with climate change um that I think is very hard for people to realize is like obviously people think of humans as like we are top of the food chain we're the most developed um people think that like climate change is something that we can easily overcome which is true like chances are like climate change won't necessarily dominate human decimate human civilization but it's not other humans that i'm worried about it's the rest of the ecosystem because once again it is a food change it is a food chain and the question is not whether or not the earth is heating up because the earth is always heating up that's natural the question is is the earth heating up so fast that ecosystems can't adapt so for example like honeybees um like the honeybees that we have now the domesticated one can only survive within a very small temperature range and climate change is kind of going to negate that it's kind of going to destroy um honeybee populations it's going to contribute to colony collapse disorder and honeybees are like the basis of any um agricultural food chain that we have that's why it's hitting the farming industry so bad to begin with so I think people forget to realize that climate change doesn't need to be thought of just within the scope of human life. I think it needs to be thought of within the scope of the entire ecosystem because everything is interdependent. If you take away your producers, you know, the people at the top of the food chain, aka us, are going to have nothing to go off of. So I think that's really important. Um, And also, I think that just kind of builds into the fact that people who tend to, not to say like deny climate change, but people who don't necessarily think it's real, have very... um, simplified views of what climate change is. Uh, I will say for one, um, the current president, President Donald Trump, does not believe in climate change. I have one of his tweets from 2011. Um, It says, and quote, it snowed over four inches this past weekend in New York City. It is still October. So much for global warming. So I think people forget to realize that like climate change is extremes on both end of the spectrum it's not just yeah it's not as drastic as you would think because like a lot of people say like oh it's just like it's just a one degree difference but like that one degree difference set like 18 species extinct yeah so like to us it's not much i mean to us it's like a coat or a jacket that we just like take off but to animals that have to have a specific you know temperature to live in like it's devastating to those um ecosystems and i think people kind of neglect that because we're very human centric so yeah my favorite one is like um this deputy so i'm, I'm working sheriff's camp right where like jefferson parish brings up them jefferson parish sheriffs and a bunch of like their troubled kids come over to camp we teach them courses about nature <laughs> and i was telling the kids like hey make sure you guys like pick up trash and all over the area and the guy's like oh you're getting into the global warming bullshit again and i was like uh not it's not it's not bullshit it's like a real thing champ and then he starts going on he's like well the polar bear population is skyrocketing right now and i was like yeah it's because the ice caps are melting and all the like the stuff that they eat like penguins and seals they have nowhere to go but with the polar bears the polar bears fucking eat them all and that's why the polar polar bear population is booming right now <laughs> every other population is way on the down low yeah and like have you seen the video of like all the walruses like falling off the cliff no <laughs> you should link it in the description it's bad I'll link it like, in, the, in the sources uh, yeah cause like on idiotsuitpodcast.com 
Mountain. <laughs> the, the Ice Caps Mountain. Hey, maybe we'll get sponsored by it in BBC. <laughs> so, or copyright charged. <laughs> Awkward. So, um, they have a bunch of, there's like a big, well, it was an ice cap, but there's rock under it. And so all the water's on the rock. And they're like, they used to just slide it down the ice. And they just fall off. And they're like, you watch them flop down in like slow motion, and like just get killed. Yeah, so I think like that just shows that like, the lens that we use to look at climate change in general is very skewed, A, towards how it affects us and we ignore the rest of everything else. And also there's been, it's um, not to say that it's a very profitable endeavor to like monopolize on the fear that is caused by climate change, but like people definitely use it. Um, for example, like the Save the Turtles movement and like the Save the Polar Bears, like people use it, uh, they pick very specific um, I, I guess when, implications to kind of like rally people around and that kind of I think makes it a target because everyone's saying like hey this is the issue with climate change and then like ignoring the 20,000 other issues yeah no focus on like how if you look at the stock market like clean energy is where the money is mm-hmm. like it's literally like, all the stock market people are saying like hey like like you heard about Kansas no Kansas <laughs> Kansas had a law that like 33, I think it was like 33% of the state had to be run by clean energy. So they That's what they did windows. in like France and it's working very well. And it's like well. The, the, in Kansas they're like, hey, like this shit works and we're saving a ton of money. And so they started bumping it up. It's like 70% of the state is run by. Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter power. is like anywhere that you put money, you will find solutions. That's how technology works. I mean, like think of it this way. When people talk about patents and have patenting medical um products and people say like oh you can't put you can't take away patents from like medicine because companies won't be incentivized to um, make new medicine because there's no money there that just goes to show that we kind of do admit that wherever the money is that's where there will be new innovations that where there will be things that solve problems so I think like people are saying hey it's not currently possible to necessarily run 50% of the United States on clean energy but it's because there's no money going into it in the first place if that's where you put the money that's where you find and you also gotta put the money to like making the actual ways we're doing so now, like, while you can't, like, make the oil companies, like, hey, oil rigs, just, like, build a bunch of windmills and tear down your oil rigs. You can't make them do what they're doing cleaner, though. Like, Louisiana, for example, has, like, the least pollution for natural gas, like, in the country. Like, we do it in such a clean way. Yeah. And it's, like, there's ways to do that stuff in a clean manner. Like, I'm not, I don't like people who come in here and they say, hey, we got to do everything clean energy. It's like, no. You can do some of the dirty stuff, but you can do it really clean. I think that you know people, yeah, and I think, um, that very like and what's the word I'm trying to think the very like extreme view of like everything instantly needs to be translated to clean energy within like five years I think that once again that makes the argument for climate change kind of weaker because it's once again like you said like fear mongering like it's makes it very easy target people saying like oh you're gonna like cripple the economy we don't have the resources for that because if you propose such a drastic change it's kind of going to be harder to get people on board with that and I think like a gradual transition towards because also my view is like um at the end of the day like whether or not you believe that humans contribute to climate change to like the 1.5 celsius increase like whatever why not like we have the capacity to reduce the carbon that we do put out why not like what's wrong with it like it can create new jobs um but I do, however, see the argument like all jobs are not created equal. Like people, oh, yeah. a lot of people are saying like, you know, cause people who work in oil, there's obviously there's like technicians and there's people who are engineers and educated, but there also is a lot of like blue collar, like working class jobs. Um, and a lot of the jobs that are going to be created by the clean industry energy are going to have to be research jobs and jobs that require to put in more education. Which side of the theory do you fall on? Do you fall that we should have stopped at 2 billion? Or we can go to 10 and then stop, population-wise, for the planet. 
There's two sides. I don't know how I feel about the population of the planet. Like, I mean, like we're we're living quite well. As I think ten. Like the thing is, there's the thing is like there's so much land, and I think the, the carrying capacity of the Earth has not yet been reached. I think like the the issue now is finding ways to translate the agricultural yeah, industry like- to like places like if we can find a way to like build more build more efficient irrigation systems in arid lands. Like I feel like that's something that like we have. I think the Earth has quite a large carrying capacity. There's so much space. I mean, like, isn't there's like a style like standing shoulder to like, shoulder, everyone humans, can fit in like Las Vegas or something. Humans, think, of a, humans like, think about this house that we're in right now. It saves a lot of space. Like, <laughs> no one listening knows what my, house, <laughs> what my house looks like. We're in the biggest fuck house right now. <laughs> it's not, like, like as a human true. being, like, you don't, and like, I guess like it's more of like, if you really got down to like the nitty gritty, like what you, what you really like need is a necessity. Like everybody would live in like fucking one room houses. I mean, like the thing is like, that's true, but we also are in the suburbs right now. People live in the cities where it's like, everyone lives in apartments. People, even rich people live in like penthouses and they all live in like one giant building. So I think, um, yeah. like, like Metairie Road has like a building code where you can't have building taller than like two stories. And that's like a thing. So I think it would, I think we could get to 10 billion, but it, we got to like start splitting everything up. Right. And being like, start, stop building out, building up. Cause like a lot yeah. of people are like, you know, that's, it's deforestation and stuff like that. And you're pressing, you're going yeah. out and you could be going up. No, I agree that, um, but I think like the carrying capacity of the earth, like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's two billion. We're gonna do genocide again. Like I think we agreed that one's bad. No, there's just like there's just <laughs> like a fear that's saying like, hey, that's when we should have stopped. Like we went too far. I mean, like, what are you gonna do? Go back, kill everyone, one child policy. I mean, shit, you need like a half child policy at that point. Like, even if everyone on the earth has one you child, you gotta go back like, to on the five layers of two billion and be like, all right, guys, stop. Why don't you just <laughs> time, stop? Time no control, more. Yeah. So there's a cool analogy I heard about like clean energy and like how you like how we can make ourselves cleaner and like you can't just go like it's like. The way we're doing stuff now is like eating the messy food, you know. It's like like oil and burning coal and like the way like we like use trash and everything. It's it's messy food, but like you don't have to just. And if you're like, oh well, how can we not get our hands messy? Well, it's like you don't have to switch to a clean food. You just got to use a fork. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I think, um, but like I think that it's very very feasible to power at least a large chunk of the country and like with um oh, for sure. energy I, I think uh but i think it's just gonna take a while yeah like but certain parts of like certain sorry certain outlets of clean energy have proven to be like more um what's the word economically feasible than even using oil and natural gas so like one of the um examples is people use is like hydropower is very efficient it's like i don't know it's like three cents um for a kilowatt as compared to uh, like $40 for coal. I think the problem like that scientists are running into is they say like the storing of the energy has proven to be a lot more expensive than it is when it's compared to coal. But then once again, that's one of those things where it's literally just tech. Wherever you put the money, solutions will follow. Like for example, like dude, like what we have SpaceX now, like we never thought that we'd be able to have like a private space company, even though SpaceX is like- We have a, we have a 18 wheeler that can go 400 miles yeah. at a 30 minute charge. And like people never even thought that that kind of stuff was possible so I think like that's kind of one of the things that you need to realize that like if you put the money into it you will see solutions coming to fruition and people are just kind of neglecting that and my and like my I guess my philosophy when it comes to this is literally just why not like we have the capability like it can't hurt you like even if you don't believe in climate change it can't hurt you 
on the off chance that climate change does exist, which it does, it will help you. So it's like, it's kind of a win-win situation here. You can't really lose much. Um, but I think it all just goes back to misconceptions. Like, for example, like when Donald Trump uh, said that, like wind turbines cause cancer, like there's just a lot of like misconceptions about- There's a there's a, there's a big like counter argument to windmills going around right now. And it's like a windmill costs like 200 tons of steel. And it's like, how is that economically friendly? And then it's like, if you go and look up like what it, how, how big like a coal burning facility is, yeah. how much steel goes into that, you could build like 20 windmills yeah. and they produce like less. So two when so one coal burning facility by itself, one whole facility produces more than a windmill. But guess how much more? How much more? Like five kilowatts. Okay. So literally two, two windmills <laughs> almost double it. <laughs> and like, okay. And I think also the other thing is like people realize that I guess people who are environmentally like conservationist oriented the issue with climate change is not to stop everything that contributes to climate change like i realize that we're never not we're never gonna be able to cut plastic out of our um economy like dude like we literally like that would kill the economy we thrive on plastic we need plastic yes we realize that's bad for the economy that's something that we need it's not to get rid of every single little thing that contributes to climate change it's to get rid of the things that we can do feasibly and we can that control like within our power so like like my mom always argues with me and she's like oh like you hate you think the climate change is real like throw away your phone like no like in this day and age like no one's gonna throw out their phone and we recognize that so we are trying to do what we can and trying to actually contribute what we can and that would be our means of energy producing because that's one of the things that we as the market are most in control of because you can choose like what cars to buy and like you know where you want your energy to come from and like i think that that's such a bad like counter argument too. Like, yeah. throw away your phone. Like, there was a comic about that the other day. It was a guy. The woman's like, "Oh, I wish like you know this plastic's killing the seats." I was like, "Well, you drink out of a plastic water bottle." And it's like, "Oh, well, I don't like it. The Chinese built my uh, my AirPods with sweatshops. Well, you're using you're posing that on an Apple product." And the guy's like, "Oh, I'm so intelligent." And it's like, "No, like you're just that's not that's not a good counter argument." And like the thing, like it's literally like telling one single person that they need to create like an entire new entirely new market. Like I think that's just a very like ad hominem type thing to kind of like paint people as hypocrites for it's also like a pointless boycott too yeah. like if you throw away your apple phone like if they're I still gonna away, they're still gonna make yeah what? there's like seven billion other people that have fucking iphones <laughs> <laughs> sounds like uh the number was a little off but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah so i think it's like, like like i was like oh no i lost uh one ten thousandth of a cent <laughs> i think the big thing about climate change is people don't realize that like our attempts to mitigate the effects don't necessarily reach out into every span of production, every uh, item of production that could possibly contribute. Because in the end of the day, pretty much every bit of production contributes to releasing CO2 in the environment. Like contributes the beef to, industry is huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, no, I saw something that um, who says like even like red meat's like a carcinogen and that's like a big thing too so apparently like they're just hating on the meat industry but like yeah that's also that like we recognize that's one thing that's huge but then at the end of the day it's like you can't tone down every aspect of your life but what is possible to control energy it's one of the easiest things and like even creating like new restrictions so for example like I'm sorry, this kind of made me angry earlier this year when President Trump said that the EPA in California couldn't have stricter restrictions than the send the um, federal EPA like regulations. California is responsible for the most air pollution in the country. I mean, it makes sense though. And they, they choose have the to most get rid people. of straws. Like, I wish they like the 
the park service like all like the environmental aspects of california like they have like the right idea but they put this their resources into such bad places i I think the whole straw i mean like i understand why people go after that because once again it's something that's very accessible like saying that you don't have straws in restaurants that's like something that's very easy to do it's a lot easier to tackle than the monolith of energy production and consumption. Oh, yeah. um, however, I think a lot of people think like the buck stops there, like, oh, we did our two cents for climate change. We don't need to do anything else. And that's kind of a very... That's like when like something, anything happens and you go on Instagram and you're like, hey guys, make sure to send thoughts and prayers. Like, uh, I did my part. <laughs> thoughts and prayers. Like, no, that's... Thoughts and prayers is like, that's like if like someone died and I went up to you and be like, hey, that sucks. <laughs> Hope you feel that's, better. Speak on it. <laughs> But yeah, and I think, um, so I think that, I don't remember what I was saying, but yes. Yes. Now that we're done agreeing, we can talk about something that we don't agree about. That's a Green New Deal. Written by Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's probably one of the most controversial figures, I would say, in modern politics right now. Like like I said, this she's basically just like um, the Sarah Palin of this decade. And um, she's very interesting. She's very... I would say inflammatory in the way that she talks. Uh, she's very polarizing. Either you really like her or you really hate her. Basically, she uh, created the Green New Deal. It was co-signed by a lot of people that are currently in the Democratic race. Which was more than 14 pages. Too. <laughs> That's so it is, bad. yeah. So if you want to hear about the Green New Deal, our second episode, the year 2050, is about the Green New Deal. So you can go listen to that if you want to listen to it, but you really don't have to. Anyways, Green New Deal. You can so, also pull the whole document on congress.gov. Yeah, I'll put it in the sources tab. So the Green New Deal is one of the things that whenever people talk about climate change, especially more recently, it has definitely come into the conversation because a lot of people are saying that, um, like once again, I think that it kind of weakens the argument on climate change because it's something that is so, it's trying to do so much in so little time. And I think that kind of makes the argument for climate change weaker because like I said, essentially the argument about climate change is that we're not trying to change every little thing that contributes to it. And this issue right here, the Green New Deal, is literally trying to tackle everything. It's an economic, environmental, social justice, non-binding resolution, which means even if it did get passed in Congress, it literally would do nothing. It just means that Congress acknowledges that we need to do something. My one problem with it is that it overinflates the numbers and asks way too much in a short time. Like that's like, let's say like you're about to take the exam and like all you have left is your math exam and you're going in with like a 70 and your mom's like, I want you to get a hundred in the class. Like yeah. you just can't do it. Now, if your mom can have said, Hey, I want you to pass the class that that makes sense. Yeah. And I think, so I see, I see the intent of the Green New Deal as a document that's supposed to rally all Democrats behind one type of political ideology, supposed to bring them all together. Um, however, I just don't see it as something that's really feasible. And you can even see that when, in the beginning, literally every Democratic candidate signed onto it. Cory Booker co-signed it. Um, uh, Elizabeth Warren said that she was behind it. Bernie Sanders. And then as soon as the mic dropped, as soon as people started realizing, hey, there's no real feasible numbers in here, there's no real anything that actually works, everyone was like, well, I have my own climate change plan now. So like Bernie Sanders has his, very comprehensive. Elizabeth Warren has his, based off Jay Inslee. Um, Cory Booker has even has his own. He included an environmental justice plan. So I think like that in general is and like it's true that there's a risk of damage to coastal infrastructure. Like that's like that's a real thing that can happen, but it's not one like you know billion dollars worth. <laughs> yeah, and so I just think that the Green New Deal. Um, just very briefly putting it, I just think that it's something that's not. 
it's not feasible at all. I think it kind of once again weakens the argument for climate change because it makes us it makes it makes it look like it is an issue that belongs solely to the Democratic Party. And while there are um, while it does tend to be something that is more tackled by the Democrats, obviously, young Democrats have made it like one of their biggest issues. I think that the goal, the hope for climate change is that it becomes a nonpartisan issue. It becomes something that both parties recognize as something that and acknowledge and recognize it. And right now there is like this general saying that Republicans don't believe in it. Democrats do. And I think assigning it to the Democratic Party is a big mistake that they shouldn't have made if they want it to be something that gets handled. So I just don't like how they they also put like you can't expose a document to Congress and talk about global stuff because like mm-hmm. the United States does not control the world. We can't fix coastal cities in every country. We can fix our coastal cities. And that's it. Yeah. And it's like the new what bothers me about the new Green Deal is that it has such an opportunity. Like it had the potential to be really good. Yeah. And like they fucked it up. Especially with the momentum that was behind it. I mean, like with all of the senators and everyone signing on to it. Like that's a document that you should have taken the time to make sure that it's fleshed out, it's realistic, and it's something that you can easily fall back upon, like if they were to question you about it. Like the new Green Deal is like it was written because like she got pissed off mm-hmm. and like went home and like scribbled in her diary and got mad. <laughs> And then, like, she was like, this is good. And then she went and presented it the next day, and she was like, oh, shit, what did I write? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that's literally what it's like. Like, you know when you post something on Snapchat, and then you take it down, like, four hours later? Like, that's mm. what that is. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so I think that, but one of the things that I do like about the Green New Deal that I think isn't as fleshed out as it should have been is the idea that, like you mentioned before, in, uh, climate change is an issue that crosses lines um, in terms of, like, uh, spheres of influence so it crosses just it crosses from just environmental issues into economic issues into social justice yeah, issues like, like they brought it outside of like oh guys it's gonna get hotter they brought it like hey this hurts the economy this hurts infrastructure this hurts everything but they dropped it as something that they literally just mentioned and moved on so and it's kind of saying like hey there's a problem there's no solution but us, we want to fix it they asked us to fix the world too in yeah. the new green deal like hey we gotta focus cause like I feel like the way you do climate change is like you act like an example <laughs> you act like an example like you come in there <laughs> you, know, you, um, you act like an example. So you say, like, oh, well, the United States is that? Well, maybe, maybe I'll try it. Like, because, you know, we have, we have big influence. And I like, think that's think one of the biggest... Get, um, think all the people that get bonds from us. Yeah. Like, we, we have influence <laughs> out, out the fucking ass. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest arguments. Like, people were mad about the Paris Accord by saying, like, even though the United States is already going to stay in line with these regulations when we drop out, it is important for us to stay in so that other countries are encouraged to do so. And I think that's why a lot of people are saying, like, we need to put more pressure on China to release their um to release lower their um emissions because like once again like the united states to put it simply has a lot of clout on the international stage that's something that we need to recognize and i think um even though we're not the biggest output the biggest emitter of these um chemicals and of these um compounds and gases and everything i think that uh the United States definitely has to act as sort of like a flagship, definitely has to act as sort of a leader to, um, for other, I mean, like so many countries are interdependent on us and rely on us. And that's kind of something that we have to recognize. I think like our place on the world stage is much more, um, important than a lot of people realize even today. So what I was saying is that the Paris Accords, like, I don't, I don't think when you say like, we're supposed to be the flagship, 
I think that we should. I'm, I'm pretty isolationist on this. Like, I think we got to fix our own problems before we fuck with anybody else. Because, like, I think if it's better, because think about it, like, every time the U.S. has been successful, or most of the time, I can't say every time, most of the time we've been, like, really successful on the world stage was we were asked to come in. When we just come in on our own, we usually fuck it up. I mean, I don't think that, like, our foreign policy in terms, I mean, like, I understand what you're saying, but I think that mostly applies to, like, our invasions into <laughs> into other. I'm just, uh, I'm just worried that we're gonna we're gonna roll out there and fuck it up. Yeah, I don't think it's our job to be the international policeman and say like, "Hey, China, you need to do this." Like, China. That's what I'm worried about. But I think it is important for us to act as a role model and do yeah. and put our money where our mouth is. Like, you know, for like we do condemn China. Like a lot of people that live in the United States and a lot of public um, servants, a lot of people that are big on the political stage, do condemn China for putting out all this emissions and. Yeah, at the same time, we're not going to take care of ourselves. And I think that's something that we have to do. Um, but kind of drawing back to where I was going with the cross crossing lines into different spheres of influence and different spheres of policy. I think one of the most interesting things that I've seen in the 2020 election is this idea of environmental justice. So a lot of people were talking about environmental justice. If you pay attention to Cory Booker, he has um, he's one of the candidates with a comprehensive plan for an environmental justice um, policy, like funding to kind of support all these frontline communities. And I think that's important because that shows us that climate change, a lot of people are not worried about climate change as it relates to human life. A lot of people are saying climate change doesn't affect human life. But the fact that there are frontline communities that are suffering um, the results of climate change, whether it be like their water and pollution, whether it be like what we're doing with nuclear energy over there and like whether it be stuff like that or just even air quality, there is a very tangible effect that climate change has on these communities and it tends to be communities of lower income, of minorities because they're seen as sort of like this quote dumping grounds for these, um, you know, byproducts of energy creation. And I think that environmental justice is something that's very ambitious, but also very important when it comes to climate change in the long run. And you got to start out small too. Like I totally agree with what you're saying. Sure. Like, and, and we got to do that on like a small scale so we can get like, I think like I was saying this in DC when I was there, like, when I was talking to the representative, I was saying like, Hey, we got to fix it. And like, let's say we fix it in Louisiana. That's like, you know, cause Louisiana, it's like, it's like a broken toenail on a broken foot. <laughs> you know, if you fix a broken toenail, like you didn't fix the whole foot, but you're one step closer to being fixed. That's what I think. That's one of the problems though. Like, for example, like looking at just what president Trump is doing with like California, like even if you think California is doing it, approaching it the wrong way, the president of the United States telling a state that they cannot have stricter regulations in the federal government saying that they can't, especially if you're like the state's rights candidate, like dude, be the state's rights candidate and fight for state's rights. Don't switch up on us like that. So I think um, the federal government needs to allow, like you said, with Kansas and how they that I think the federal government is not giving enough room for states to act as laboratories of democracy in the way that they are supposed to be. I think that's really important because also climate change is never going to be a one size fits all argument. Look at Louisiana. Not every I mean, like, do you think Oklahoma has to deal with coastal erosion? No. Yeah. And that's one of the issues that is, I would say, like inflated by climate change. Like we're already experiencing troubles with that. And then climate change is even building onto that even more. Like there's things that like New Orleans is going to be underwater, like in the next um, half a century. So I think that realizing that, first of all, the United States is huge and expansive and it has so many different types of geography within it. So I think people need to realize, I think at least the federal government needs to realize that states should be able to act on their own and create their own industries and do their own things. But I also think that there should be a federal push for research because that's one of the most important things when it comes to any type of um, solution. 
Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, have you seen the, uh... <laughs> did you just pause it? No, I didn't. Oh, like, we're still recording? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Have you seen the South Park, like, VR, uh, <laughs> climate change? No, I've not seen the South Park episode on climate change. There's two episodes. Like, there's one back when Al Gore was president, and there's one, like, made this past year. And I think it's super intelligent. It shows, like, they kind of like the feel of, like, the American people on it. So, in the first episode back when Al Gore was, like, uh, running, it was Al Gore was in the town of South Park and he was like guys man bear pig's here and like there was like this mysterious man bear pig running around and no one believed he was real and man bear pig represents global warming in the episode oh my god no one, no one believes man bear pig's real you never see him and Al Gore's just chasing this thing they make, it, they make fun of Al Gore and call him dumb and like the American people they didn't believe in global warming they're like Al, Al Gore's an idiot I'm like what's he talking about Al Gore's and they show like in the episode he puts people in danger to like go and get man bear pig and he doesn't care about the American people that's what they're trying to say and then in like this past episode and it was super funny when they did that and I thought it was hilarious when I didn't believe in global warming I thought it was the funniest shit ever and then now <laughs> in this past episode I had to like make sure it was all set so in this past episode um, Al Gore comes back and Man Bear Pig is like real <laughs> Man Bear Pig is like running around wreaking havoc on the town and the American people are like everyone was like oh shit he was real like he was Al Gore was the line yeah. And then what happens though is like there's a great scene where they're in the restaurant and this guy's like holding his wine glass and he's like sipping his wine. He's like, yeah, global warming is a real problem and I feel like, you know, really we really need to handle it now. It's really just damaging us, like the world. While like Man Bear Pig's wrecking havoc in the background, it shows that like people are sitting around talking about it, like, yeah, it's really bad. And not doing that's anything. It. That's it. Like while it's yeah. happening, like no, and I think that's like part of the issue, like with the sensationalism surrounding um, climate change, is like like I said before, like people focus on like the straws and the turtles and the polar bears and realize that like uh, it's great that you don't buy plastic straws, but like if we don't if we don't actually attempt to go after the root cause of these problems, yeah, like, what did you do? It's not gonna change anything. Like okay, it, your net contribution to climate change is reduced by one straw, but we're still allowing these companies to expand or whatever. Well, I love and people in New Orleans say they recycle, and they're like, yeah, I recycle, I'm doing my part. Like, you know, that stuff goes straight yeah. to the dump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They take, like, the high-grade Coke bottles, and that's it. No, I was at a city park the other day. It was so funny, and there was this trash can, and it has, um, it's a circular trash can with two holes, and one says recyclable only, and the other says trash, and we lift it off the lid. It's literally the same can. Exactly. It just goes to one can. So I was like, that is very funny so yeah it all goes to the same place it all goes yeah. to the same place so i think there needs to be some recognition that um, like in my camp we had that like in my camp like the guy who runs it ernesto he like his environmental his environmental changes because the boy scouts are so environmental it was <laughs> such bullshit so we had these outhouses right the brand new built Costs a lot of money too, and they're all over like built new, and they have a single light bulb in them. And guess what he wants to do? He wants to have that run by an entire solar panel. And it's like, <laughs> dude, you're doing more damage than help. Yeah, but another one. He's like, we're gonna have compostable trays. Guess what happens to the trays? They get put in a garbage bag, <laughs> thrown in the dumpster. So the trash can pick them up and bring them to the dump. Yeah. And it's like. You're not even trying. Like, I get, like, if you said, like, like, we have a compost bin at camp. And it's, like, we, that's, like, that's, like, an effort. You know, like, I'm teaching kids, like, how to do, like, me and EcoJohn and all the EcoJohn people are teach, teaching people how to, how to do, how to compost, stuff like that. And I feel like it's a real slap in the face when, like, the big guy's like, yeah, I'm composting, too. And it's like, no, you're not. You're just, you're making a sham of what we're doing. Yeah, so... And that's the thing too is um, 
one of the this is very interesting to me is like people uh, when I argue with other generations about climate change. I've heard a lot of people say that climate change is a scam and they say like it's this ploy by companies to get government grants. They can, you know, take the money and run and say they're doing research, whatever, and yada, yada, yada. And Not I understand. true, because if they'd be doing that, if that was the plan, they'd be bathing in money right now. Exactly. half of them don't support it. <laughs> yeah, and like the thing is... um like, I, I mean, anytime the government gives that money, yes, there is the possibility that it can be a scam, but I don't think the majority of uh, companies, because, I mean, there are companies out there that are doing good research because think of the, like, we've reduced the cost of creating solar energy by, like, an insane amount. It's now down to something that's even less than natural uh, gas and oil. So I think um, there is some real research going out there, but I think that that's, like, one of the biggest fears is people using it as a scam and using it to get money. So I think that... We need to do some real research and see some real results. Otherwise, that argument's very valid. And I don't think it should be a valid argument. So. It should be. So, yeah. <laughs> you can... John, if you want to give us synopsis. I guess to say in the end... To say in the end, I would say... <laughs> when you have to hit a 3,000 word count <laughs> to say in the end I would say what I would say is that <laughs> but in conclusion <laughs> I think if you're doing like I know we will take a dump on people for you know like oh you're not really doing anything but bandit trials but it is that small stuff that matters like it doesn't hurt it doesn't hurt anybody if you do that I mean yeah you're not you're not doing anything big but you're also not doing anything wrong and I feel that's the big thing we should push is that hey like it can't hurt to try this new thing cause you think about it like you know it's just like doctors used to say you know smoke cigarettes like I, 10 out of 9 out of 10 doctors recommend Marlboro's and it's like no so it's gonna be you know that's I think like, that's what clean energy is gonna be right now. Clean energy is like the cigarettes, like oh they're 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 bad, and then like soon it's gonna be like hey maybe maybe they're pretty good. Well, I guess like vice the opposite. <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> like, <laughs> so do not smoke. Do not support smoking. No, we do not no, condone no, that. No, no, do no. not get addicted. Do not die. Do not get lung cancer. But but do try clean energy. Yes, we should try clean energy, and that it's gonna be a slow push. There's a lot of stuff, and I mean we get cleaner every day. Like it's not like this hopeless like wasteland that people say like oh we're gonna die in ten years. Like so Summer's getting 20 degrees hotter every year. You know, my I'm melting. Like, no, it's we're slowly progressing every day. And like, there's a lot of people. Like, remember that everybody wants what's best. Some people just don't know that. You know, there's a better direction you'd be going in. Yeah. And so I think that successfully concludes this episode of Idiot Soup. Thank you, John, for coming on the Thank podcast. This is awesome. We should definitely do this again. I'll be back for more interesting episodes. <laughs> so keep an eye out. So yeah, with that being said, um, this is the end of the episode of Idiot Soup. So thank you for coming. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. <laughs> thank you for listening to Idiot Soup Podcast. You can find us online at idiotsouppodcast.com, on Instagram at idiotsouppodcast, on Twitter at idiotsouppod, and also on Facebook, idiotsouppodcast, a political podcast. You can listen to future podcast episodes on YouTube, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more platforms. You can find all of those platforms out on our website, and feel free to contact us. So, goodbye. Goodbye.